Hi, this is Aaron Azrod, and welcome to the 168th episode of the Truth Island podcast. Popularity, much like money, is one of those things that most people secretly desire, but have almost no understanding of how to achieve. If one were to examine the high school they attended and studied the commonalities amongst those who were popular, they might see some familiar archetypes, such as the athletic jock, the very attractive girl, and the risk-taking rebel as, as to the qualities we deem valuable in other people. However, upon becoming an adult, the waters towards popularity become a lot more confusing. Yes, being an exceptional athlete and earning a million-dollar sports contract is one option. However, such a path remains far too narrow for most people to excel, leading others to branch off into different directions. For example, a stand-up comedian who was considered unpopular in high school might be able to rebrand himself as a staunch realist who speaks the mind of the people, whereas the avenues of such an identity would not have been made available to him back when he was an adolescent. However, one of the more troubling aspects of popularity, which plagues the adult world just as much as it did in high school, is the types of individuals who gain people's attention. A person may have tons of social media followers because of their dangerous skateboard videos, but may not actually be a good person and is able to take advantage of their popularity in one domain in order to influence people in another. Politicians, actors, and other celebrities might also become popular not because they have superior acting chops or wise things to say, but simply because they are very good at creating controversy and are involved in riveting dramas. Indeed, being popular is not always about being inherently superior at something, but rather simply getting people interested in you for better or worse. Helping me to find out what it takes to become popular, I am once again joined by Kenny. Kenny, let me start off by asking you this. If you were given 3 million Instagram followers and people were tracking your every move, would you take it? Yes. <laughs> Brave man. You don't think for a moment it's one of those be careful with what you wish for Twilight Zone things? No, not really. I don't, I don't think, uh, I don't think it would be too much of an effect um, for me because, you know, I mean, besides the, besides the mad rush of power, which I do like, I love power. Um, so hmm, uh, I'm hearing some of the darker side of Kenny uh, and I, I kind of, I kind of intrigued by it. Go ahead, go continue, man. Call me your supreme looter emperor. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, uh, yeah, I think, uh, it, it's not so much the it's not so much the object, but how one interacts with the object. So the circumstance is the same way. Circumstance is not so much the problem. It can be, but it's it's much more. It's the the, the real the real issue is how we deal with it. Okay, I I kind of have another approach to this. I'm not saying that I would um I would reject the influence, but if I'm being realistic with myself. I do see the possibilities of how it could transform me in some very negative ways. I, I, I'm not saying that I'm a sponge and I'm completely vulnerable to the whims of other people, but I could ima- I, I can I can imagine the psychological impact of having thousands, perhaps even millions of people telling you to do something or commenting and questioning why you did something. And I'm not saying that it would fully get under my skin and transform me as a human being. But I have to leave some room open to that because I've never and I'm only saying that because I've actually never experienced such a such a dramatic thing in my life. So 
I can't say with utmost, but the utmost confidence that I would just be like, yep, I'm just going to be continuing doing what I'm doing. And these millions of people screaming at me every day is going to have zero impact on my mental health. I, I don't, I, I can't say with full assurance. I'm wondering how, how, how can you be so confident in yourself that it wouldn't uh, impact you in any such way? Well, to put it, to put it lightly for you, Aaron, I just don't give a crap. Um, <laughs> I think, uh, I can say that it wouldn't affect me because uh, how you say I this is uh, well because I, I know that I know that and and this is basically my uh, um, I went to a, I went to an all boys school uh, you say a boarding school when I was about maybe sixteen years old to the age of um, I think eighteen or nineteen and uh, no eighteen graduated at eighteen and came to America nineteen so eighteen and. Uh, um, I, uh, this was it, you know, it's, you're, you're, it's a boarding school. You're, you're surrounded with people who are either, who either like you or dislike you, don't have any reason to, you know, uh, boys don't really have reasons to fail to themselves a lot of the time. And, uh, so you deal with those kinds of pressures in the sense of when, um, if you goof, you're gonna know you've been, you know, you're gonna know you goofed, and is usually either some sort of, I uh, 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 say, there's also always some sort of consequence, either social consequences or, uh, or getting taxed. So, I'm I'm fairly used to, I'm fairly used to having having, a, um, to being in a high social and high so you know, high pressure social environments. And I don't, doesn't really, doesn't, doesn't disturb me anymore. Okay. I'm going to, I 100% believe you. And I, I think if there was a man to actually pull this off, you're actually the guy. I want to throw some other, hey, I believe in you. I believe in you. <laughs> don't give me that look. I believe in you. Uh, but I want to, I, I want to, I want to like throw some more angles at you. Just, I want to see how you deflect them. Yeah, okay, yeah, sure. let's just say you're given 3 million YouTube followers, Instagram followers, people are buying your book, they love you, they're, they can't get enough of Kenny, they want to follow you on Twitter, and you have influence, what you say goes, and you are making money off of this, right? A lot of people who have popularity, uh, they're able to kind of turn that into revenue, right? The more viewers you have, the more whatever, it's, it's a model. Yeah. Kenny starts doing what Kenny does and what he feels is right. We go from 3 million to 2.5, then 2 million, then 1.5. And those numbers, like people are just talking and they're like, man, I, I, I think if you, if only he would just do this and it just starts dwindling down. And now your livelihood and your revenue is also, in, because in high school, you'd be like, all right, whatever. I just don't have any friends. No big deal. Like you can go about your life. What happens if it's like directly impacting your livelihood or your way about you? Does that get under your skin at all, or you just watch your popularity go from three million to zero, and you have no, no break? It doesn't. It doesn't even like phase you one bit if that happens. Well, I think absolutely it's going to. It's going to be. An, it's going to be a phase. There's going to be a phasing of me. It's going to phase me for sure. Um, but I don't think it'll last long. It'll be, a, I think, a matter of a maximum a day because, at the end of the day, it's like how you say. Um, I just. I don't think I don't think that it is possible for me to be um, to be anxious about most things, especially something like that, for more than a day. And um, 
just because and 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 I know that this is just the way of this this is the way of life. You know, a couple of years ago, I realized something. Many years ago, actually, I think I was still in my early twenties. I realized something, and I realized that you know, when when you get an answer right in class, when you get an answer right in class, it's all the more pressure to get the next answer right again, because now if you get the second answer wrong. It's much more embarrassing. If you got the first answer wrong, that's okay. It's still embarrassing, but it's not as embarrassing as getting it right and then getting it getting it wrong. So there's this desire, especially this, you know, especially with this uh, uh, what we call crackers, very you know, smarty pants kind of guys, right? They always want to get the answer right, and the more they get it right, the more terrified they are to get it wrong. I learned this many years ago, and the antidotes. Is simple. Um, the answer though is neither. It's not. It's not. You know. It's not getting things wrong on purpose. It's not hiding who you. What you know. What you actually think. Um, the antidote is being fairly honest about yourself from the very beginning. If I have three million followers, I hope. I hope that they know who I am. If they don't, I suspect that most most people won't really. It'll just be a matter of following who's following and following the followers and so forth. But um, the point is simply to be fairly honest from the very beginning, so people know exactly what you're getting up front. You're going to get some answers right, you're going to get some answers wrong. But honesty has a way of safeguarding you, because most people feel the dread of embarrassment because they've, how you say, they've pretended to be the person who can do no wrong, who can say nothing, who can, who can, who can never get it wrong. And so it's double the punishments when you do get it wrong. So when it comes to situations like that, where the popularity of people who are, yeah, popularity, and especially when your popularity is linked to your stream of income, it can be very hard. But this is the way of life. They love you today and they hate you tomorrow. Okay, final, final question I'm going to ask you before we move on. If three, if you have a belief or some, on something or a stance on something, and three million people disagree with you, and you read the comments and okay, let's say there's some like dummies in there, like, and he's really stupid, <laughs> right? Like we can ignore those guys, right? Yeah. Do you think that if there's 3 million people telling you something in that mix, there'll be enough intelligent people that might actually just shake you a little bit? Because I always, I always say, well, if 3 million people are telling me something, I, have, I do have to fundamentally ask myself that question of like, can these 3 million people be wrong? You know, and, and like it is possible, it could be the case that three million people are wrong and I'm right. But you would have to have like a really robust, you know, sense of self in order to uh, like say in the affirmative, I am correct, and the three million people are wrong. Do you think there's any possibility that some of those people in that herd would be able to like, get, when I say get under your skin, I don't mean irritate you, but perhaps convert you over with some kind of higher moral superior reasoning do you, do you see that that could possibly happening just by sheer probability no it's not possible not for me and here's why this is this is very important because i, I think you, i've had conversations with one of my one of my closest friends and this is the one of my closest friends and we've had we've had this conversation repeatedly about what truth and numbers the relationship between truth and numbers Many years ago, we came to the understanding and conclusion that truth has very little to do with numbers. Sometimes truth and numbers, how you say, coincide. They work together. They are on, they are on the same path. 
But often you find that truth and numbers are not on the same path. Because over the years, you find that, you know, as people grow up, people have, they have, begin to have different interests. You find that the young lady who was very interested in her doll when she was nine, 10, and or 12 even, is no longer interested in her doll. She's not interested in taking selfies and twerking on video. And you find that people who were once interested in, you know, um, learning for the sake of learning and understanding for the sake of understanding, just like that young girl has put down the doll and picked up something else, they too picked up, pick, put down their earnest desires and begin to learn simply for, how you say, for social cachet and things like that. So my point is that human beings have different motivations for things. And because of that, human beings are not to be trusted. A human being is only trustworthy when a human being has proven himself to be trustworthy. So that being said, the only one, the only one one can actually trust from the very get-go is one's own self. It's just that simple. Now, one's own self can, can peer into the minds of others, either through conversation or books or film and so forth. But the peering does not necessarily mean one must agree with them. One is only peering one to, how you say, to learn something, to see what they, to, 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 to balance, to learn, to learn and to balance, to, uh, to push and pull what's, what's true, what's not true. And one, it's important that one does this reasonably. And we say, well, how can, you, how can one man take, take it upon himself to know what is true all by himself? I say it's absolutely possible. Reality does that. Reality does that. Reason does that. Revelation does that. Should I say, if I but to put a caveat on that, um, critically thought through revelation, right? Just because somebody comes and tells me that, you know, um, the president of France only wears uh, a chicken costume. And I've been to France. Well, he's been to France. That may be true, but he may be lying about the other part, <laughs> you know? So um, I, I, I think that my, my, my desire to know things and to, and, to understand, and to understand reality has very little to do with numbers. Um, so, and, and I've been like this for many years to the point where most of the people I meet, most of the people who come to my home for dinner, um, don't agree with me on a lot of things. And I, if there are few people of humor, we end up getting along very well because that's just, a, it's not a matter of contention. It's just a matter of enjoying each other. Oh, it's just Kenny and his crazy ideas, you know, but if they're not people of humor, they end up hating me because there is no way in any way whatsoever that I will bend a knee to them. And I don't expect them to bend a knee to me. I don't talk and argue for people to change their minds. I talk and argue so we can have a good time. It's more enjoyable when we can chat and uh, and feign disagree, feign, I should say. Uh, uh, civility? Um, no, not feign civility, but feign, uh, uh, it's, like a, it's, it's like a situation where two friends seem to be exasperated with the ideas of others, of, of the other. But they're not really exasperated with it. It's just it's it's just part of the camaraderie. Mm -hmm. so that's when we throw we, <laughs> we we throw childish insults at one another. I call it healthy exhaustion. Healthy, it's a healthy exhaustion, I like that. <laughs> so yeah, um, there is no. I don't. I I I don't see it. But he, he, I will say this to be honest, to be completely honest. It it will make me sit down and make sure that my calculations are correct. It will make me do that. It will not make me say, oh, they must be right because of because they're this many. No, no, no. I will say, okay, I've thought through this before. Let me look at it once more just to make sure. I look at it again, make sure that my my arithmetic is right. And if it's right, it's right. 
Wow, I know I actually really uh, love the uh, the robustness of, of your like sense of self. I, I think it's actually something to strive towards. I, I think if I was in that similar situation, I wouldn't necessarily just cave to the mob immediately, but I think I would cherry pick the best representatives of that mob, like the most eloquent, well-spoken, most knowledgeable on that subject, and kind of maybe cherry pick their voices and be like, all right, there's 3 million people here. Some of them are just saying utter complete garbage, 100%. What if there is a real scientist that's in this mass? What if there is like a real person who has, you know, subject area expertise and they're pointing out something that I have missed? I think I would be open to that of just cherry picking the best voices from that mass. It doesn't mean I would change my mind. It doesn't mean I would fold like a deck of cards, but I always... I don't know what it is about myself. Maybe I have, maybe I'm not fully cemented in my identity, but I suppose when I go about life, I always leave room for error in just the way I live my life. And maybe there's something wrong with that. Maybe um, I'm too open-minded. I don't, I don't really have the answer to it, but I always, I always like, I'm sure of myself, but I always leave that like 5% room margin of error of like, okay, maybe someone is seeing something that I'm not seeing just because I want to have uh, a, a more complete and more full view of what's going on around me. And there's just, there's just thing, as, as being a single individual, as a single human, I just feel like I can't see everything at once. It's just not possible for any one man to do. Yeah, no, that's understandable. I, and I, I, I could, I, so I have uh, I've thought about that. And, uh, and the, only, the only conclusion that I can come to is that I don't know what I don't know until I know it. And until I know it, I don't know. It's just that simple. A, a is not non a. Non a is not a as, uh, as a is not non a. And so I, um, and I cannot pressure myself into um, because I believe in freedom. I cannot, you know, pressure myself into feeling this either dread or the uh, the anxiety of not knowing and believe in that someone else may know greater than I do. But the thing is about being a human being is having the humility to admit when someone has brought something to light that you did not see. That's why it's that's why it's good to have good friends, close friends, people who are pursuing in all things, in all things, whatever it is a pursue, with uh, with truth and uh, with 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 with, with, with truth. And I can understand that, but it doesn't bother me not knowing. Not knowing is not the problem, but doing some doing accordingly with what I do know now that's the challenge not knowing there will always be a not knowing one cannot know all things but one can know some things and one can know how you say and one can know things that one did not previously know before so but these things take time and so, you know if you if, if it depends on how you see life sometimes I, I like to believe I will know when, what I need to know when I need to know it It'll come to me like a, uh, like the lady in red, but please go on. Uh, you know, it's no secret that one of my favorite philosophers is, is Socrates. However, I, I will say this about him. I would have liked if he got just maybe once or twice, just once or twice, he just utterly got his butt kicked by somebody else. And like, I, I just feel like Again, like he's totally the man. He's like heavyweight champion. He's like 50 and 0. But if he was like 48 and 2, 
I would, I would actually have even more respect with him because I'm like, Hmm, the man lost that battle and he did it like a champ. He, he like went down with grace because I, I do think, cause I like to see, I like to see, like, it's really exhilarating to see someone win all the time, but I like to also see how they lose because what I'm studying is when they definitively lose, do they lose with grace? And that's actually something that's very important to me of like, because there are people in this world, they're right about a lot of stuff. And then they do fall into a bear trap where they happen to be wrong on that particular issue. And they still double down like, no, 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 no. You know, and I'm like, I'm like, man, I would have so much more respect for you if you would just lose with grace. That's all I'm saying is that, and I like to see that because I, I think it's easy to keep winning and it's awesome and it makes you look manly and powerful and all that jazz. But to lose with grace is also something that's really, really, really amazing. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I believe that. I, 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 I see it in a different category. I don't see it as losing in all my CEO. I say, well, okay, of course I don't see it as losing. You know, it's just because you're a jackass. Yeah, I am. But it's not just that. <laughs> it's is that, you know, I've never entered an argument or entered a conversation with a mind of winning or losing, to be honest with you. And if I did, if I have, it's been a very long time. Whenever I enter a conversation or an argument, it's really just to have fun. I, I kid you not. It's enjoyment. It's literally is enjoyment. And I think that it is not possible that's why the categories, if they, if they do exist, they're, they're faded, they're very faded. It's not possible, or if it's not, if it's, it's just, it's very difficult to, even when you're quote unquote losing, to see it as losing, because you're having too much fun. Oh, I, I think, I think that's the best way to go about it, because if you're, if you, if your points of view are personally tied to who you are, it's going to sting a lot more. Whereas, you know, as Ben Franklin said, you know, I, I love one of the pieces of advice that Ben Franklin gives. He says, when you're bringing up like a proposition, always say, suppose this happens, or what if this happens, or some might say, so when you're, when you're putting, when you're like kind of putting these uh, points of view out there into the, into the atmosphere, you're not personally saying, I believe this, or I believe every child should do blah, blah, blah. Because when you use those I statements, if the idea gets shot down, you're getting shot down. But if you throw those ideas out there with like, some might think that it's wise to do this or that, if that idea gets shot down, it's not, you know, you're not really feeling as much shrapnel, you know, being thrown back at you because you're just putting those things out there as other possibilities or other ideas that you may or may not subscribe to. Yeah. Um, some might call that a bit cowardly, but I definitely see the wisdom in that. Yeah. Okay. Um, Let me call it cowardly. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about the popular people that we have in our world today. And I actually think that they are quite different than you and I in, in many respects. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that in from our stories of antiquity, I'm, I'm going to kind of generalize and put antiquity in this wonderful golden era bow. In the past, somebody, I think like a good example of this would be like uh, William Wallace, right? Who fought the British, you know, you can picture Mel Gibson going all crazy and whatnot. In the past, you became popular 
by having a very strong identity in yourself, just as you described in the beginning of this podcast, believing in a cause that you believe to be true, other people try to tear you down. And again, you know, William Wallace, Socrates, all of these men fit this archetype of like, I believe in myself. I believe in the cause that I'm fighting for. I face opposition. I overcome that opposition. And then eventually people, people first reject me, but then in the end they come and see it my way or they make me, or they make me drink poison and kill me, you know, (laughs) either way, like that's, that's the typical archetype of a popular person, a young, a young squire who grows up to be king goes through that kind of trajectory. They're rejected, but they believe so much in themselves. And it's also, some might argue, might, some might also tie us with some belief in, uh, like, uh, in God as well. Like, I believe in myself. I believe in God. I believe in my purpose. I'm, I'm completely robust in that. I'm unshakable. And if I'm an unmovable object, eventually the world will have to gravitate around me because I'm not moving. So all the other planets need to eventually get behind me because I'm the unshakable object. Where I know, and that, that it's like, a, these are cool, awesome, like myths and stories. I see things in the modern world as being quite different. I see our influences, our leaders, our leading politicians, our celebrities, they're sniffing around at what other people are interested in and trying to cash in on that. And this is, this is a very interesting time that we live in because in antiquity, you were a robust person, you believed in something new and you went with it. Now we're starting to live in a world where people who believe in themselves are unpopular and ignored and considered strange and weird, whereas the people who are able to ride the gravy train, those are the people that seem to be experiencing the most success in our world. Do you agree with my assessment or have I gone off the deep end here? Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I think you're right. It's because the gravy train is it's, it's a popular train. So if you read the popular train, you'll become popular. It's that simple. If you don't, if you don't subscribe to the gravy train and once build your own bloody tracks, well, good luck with that. So yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. There is a path now. It's not a true path. It's not a, and it's not really not a, it's not even a glorious path in the sense of beauty or um, heights. Or it's just, it's a very, it's a base, but a popular path nonetheless, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to argue that there is a lot of danger with this new path that we're headed in because you, we have a lot of people who have power and influence, but they lack the thing that you described in the very beginning. And that's a robustness in themselves and a robustness in what they believe in. And people, why is that so dangerous, Aaron? It's because it makes them extremely feckless and it makes them extremely fickle when pressed against adversity. So let, let's just say I'm a politician and I say whatever it is that will make me popular. Okay. It works for a little bit, you know, like free this, free that. But the second that I'm pressed with some kind of adversity, I'm going it, to, it like, because the problem is, is that if you're a popularity chaser, when you lose a million subscribers, it's a disaster. It's like a nuclear warhead went off. And now you're pivoting, you're changing. And this kind of impair, I think that this impairs society to actually confront challenges, say controversial things, take a hit for your belief. And I think that this kind of stagnates human progress. I think that if, if, if our thought leaders are completely beholden to whatever is in vogue, where are we going to get these courageous figures that are going to propel society forward? They'll be they'll be there, um, but um, they'll have a tough they'll have a tougher a tougher climb 
they'll have a different, how you say, uh, um, it'll be hard to find them, but they will be there. Um, you can't, you, you can't really stifle and destroy, you can, but it's hard to do it. Um, originality and people who are this 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 kind of this kind of person it takes it takes quite a deal um it takes quite a bit of a, a bit of a um power to deal with people like this in the sense of um, people who think for themselves people who are who are their own man or quotes their own woman the point is simply that they're there, they're, but the, they're, it's gonna be much harder for them to, to make a path or make a way in this world, at least in the, in the popular sense. Now, I, the other thing I wanna kind of talk about is people who might be obtaining popularity for the wrong reasons. And, <laughs> and obviously this uh, triggers me and I think of like horrific moments in high school, whereas if you, if, let me ask you this question, Kenny. Would you say that the most popular students in your high school were the most morally upright good people, or would you say that's not true? Oh no, that was not not that was not the case for, for my high school. No. Yeah, absolutely, and same thing with my high school, right? If we look at popularity in in, in the context of high school or middle school or whatever it is, so I I alluded to in my intro that the people who are popular in a high school context, if you're a guy. Uh, you're typically really good. You're a risk taker, brazen, bold, brave, good at good at, at, at athletics. And, and basically, you're like a macho kind of guy. And that doesn't mean you could be an, a, a decent human being and have a moral compass about you or you could not. But if you can have those characteristics, there's, you know, there's definitely popularity to be had. Uh, for a girl, you know, I hate to say it, like a lot of it has to do with her looks and so forth and the attention that she might get for boys or some of the dramas that she might be entangled in might, you know, create like a captivating story arc for her. But seldom, I, I would say on a very seldom basis, is it the, you know, nerdy kid who's like studying biology all day or whatever, that's the most popular kid of the school. And, and okay, may, hopefully things are changing probably not though right and okay fine aaron what's your you know get over it man like that's high school you're a grown man now just don't worry about that and i say okay fair enough hey man you know adolescents don't really know what they want and they might be into foolish things totally totally understand that i'm starting to see that kind the same metrics of popularity starting to bleed into the adult atmosphere as well whereas this was there was this notion that we all had in our mind of like okay this was you know i'll give you an example like in the movie like uh back to the future that guy uh biff for example he's the most popular guy in high school because of you know he has like the uh tough macho uh, cachet but then when he's like older he's just like an overweight adult who's failed at life or something like that right i'm starting to see the inverse of this where people of not the brightest not the smartest not the most morally upright still having command of popularity still com having command over people's eyes and, and they're doing it in in ways of like attracting controversy saying the most provocative things, being involved in some riveting drama that makes headlines. And in some ways, this has always been the case. This has been going on since ancient Rome. But I think that it's getting very dangerous because, okay, adolescents can be into stupid things. That's the nature of being an adolescent. What happens when we as adults 
are still into stupid people and in you know immature ideas and immature people. Well, uh, we reap the consequences. Our the nation suffers. Um, our children suffer. Uh, or we ourselves suffer. And uh, we reap we reach, we reap the consequences. Uh, it's 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 difficulty upon difficulty, because there is a time and a way for people to you know to grow up, but we don't believe that. And so you know you find you find quote 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 unquote adults who don't know how to put their lives together, and because of that they're miserable. They will never admit that that's why they're miserable, because. They've always been told that they're special and anything and everything they want to do is wonderful. But they're miserable. Today, America is a very depressed nation. Very depressed nation. Can, can you imagine? You have, you have, this is a place with um, fast cars. It's a place with great roads. It's a place with food everywhere. I mean, literally food everywhere. Like you can literally walk into McDonald's and buy a burger, a burger for I think about three, three something, three bucks, one burger. There's a television in every home. So America is a very powerful and very beautiful and very affluent nation, yet its people are unhappy. This is, this is, if, if, if scientists could, could figure this out for me, I'd, I'd be very happy. I'd be very happy that the people who have everything are unhappy. So I think we have a chicken and egg type situation here, whereas are people just following what they think will make them popular? And that could be foolish nonsense. Like, oh, uh, you know, people are, you know, into this foolish nonsense, I'm gonna do it. Or do you think that maybe, maybe there's something darker about us as, as humans that we actually do value foolish nonsense. We do value controversy. We do value these kind of troublesome, like, you know, shock, shock provoking characters because like I, i'm confused i don't know if people are just following the honey or if that's truly our honey like we truly are, are like our honey is these kind of really interesting characters that get involved in all of these controversies and say these outlandish things and it's one drama after the next because we definitely have a lot of like boring wise, smart people. There's no shortage of them. A lot of smart, boring, wise people that we could be following, and yet we choose not to. So I don't know. I don't know what it is. Is, is this like ingrained in our nature where we're attracted to drama and we, and we kind of prioritize that off, you know, you know, we're, we're kind of drawn to those candy bars and we're just like neglecting our vegetables? Or do you think just temporarily our, align, our, our values are a bit out of alignment? I think it's a bit of both. I've never, I've, I never had to train my son out of being something good. I always had to train him out of being something bad. And badness comes quite easily to him. Wow. You know, you know what I mean? It's just, this is, what, this is what it means to raise a child, is to teach them what is good and to remove from them, to turn them away from what is bad. And you see that children don't, need you to teach them about that they already know it so i think there's a there's a there's a part of us there's a part of us that just really um that's a bit savage like very very upside down then i do think that we 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 um we what we feed grows 
we've fed over the years, you know, growing up and all that, we've fed a lot of horrible things in our lives, you know. So it goes gets to the points where we can actually only enjoy the things that are horrible. You know, um, there are there are certain people here who cannot who cannot have a conversation that has the, a conversation with a mate or or with a with a with a girlfriend for um, they have a conversation for about four hours and it's literally all about the people they've had sex with. That's it. That's literally all it's about. And you're looking at yourself. You're saying this. These are two grown adults. These are two, these are two grown people. These are adults, right? Two grown people matured in the eyes of the world. They can vote and they can go to, they can go to war, right? They can pick up arms and go to war. These are adults. Some of them have children. And you're wondering to yourself, what is, what is, what is this about? I say, well, what's wrong with spending six hours talking about, you know, people you've had sex with? And I say, well, if you, if you, if you have to ask me that question, there, your 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 view of humanity is very low. It's very low. It's not that there's anything wrong with it. It's that it's how you say it's not. It's not even. It, it, it's not even. Um, uh, it's like buying a buying a Ferrari. And selling using it as a as a tractor as a work as a, <laughs> as, a, as a as a farm car. Mm. Have no idea what it's worth. You have no idea what the hell you're doing. You know, my point is that human beings, we we, our minds are we're pretty capable of things. But we find that you know because we fed because I think we're a bit upside down, and I think that we fed a lot of bollocks in our in our youth. I find that yeah, we we see we see the world not as it ought to be seen, but as we want to see it. And often we are the center of our universe. So you have situations where people are literally taking selfies of themselves and falling off of cliffs because they wanted to take a picture of themselves. They put themselves in these very precarious situations where they literally die five minutes afterwards. Mm. Like we are, we are, we are so self-absorbed, so self-obsessed that um, we cannot and refuse to see the world for what it is. And um, it's 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 uh, it's it's interesting. Okay, I I, I think you're one hundred percent sniffing along the wrong the right trail. I think I think you're right. So, if if what you're saying is correct, when we are children, preteens, and teenagers, we kind of have a messed up value system by default. So it's kind of like an original sin type of thing when it comes to like what we cherish in other people. So you're an let's say you're fourteen years old you value your physical acumen, like how many guys you can beat up, how many girls can you be with making mad money or whatever it is. Right. So like, let you have your out of your adolescent value system of like physical prowess, being with women, making money, um, just dominance, you know, m- maybe playing cruel jokes on others. Okay. So that's the adolescent value values that, that will bring you cachet. Where the issue is, is that maybe in previous times, and again, maybe I'm having a romanticized you know, idea of this, is that you would have your adolescent value system. And by the time that you were in your 20s, you know, definitely by the time you're in your 30s, those should have been subverted already. 
like there, there's there's something missing in our society where once you turn 21, 22, 23, all of those adolescent values like, oh, yeah, I can beat that guy up. That should already be like kind of squeezed out of your system already where it's like, oh, no, 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 like unnecessary physical violence is not the way to uh, mediate my problems. But we're having there's there's some that some there's a there's a glitch or there's a bug in the system where now people are turning 25, 26 and they still have the adolescent value system installed in their bios and that force and that's causing them to still watch like YouTube videos of like people, you know, beating each other up at a Walmart or whatever it is. What the, what, what the heck happened? Why is it that we had a system where the adolescent, the childish adolescent values were squeezed out of you like a sponge in your 20s, and then you became like a functional adult? It seems like we're not, there, there's an issue going on where we're not squeezing those things out as effectively as we used to. No, because we've, 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 we've ascribed to certain philosophies, we've ascribed to certain psychological um, uh, um, how you say beliefs that you know, um, many of us believe that our children are just perfect as they are, and should be should be allowed to pick their own truth and their own path and so forth. And well, in a world where everybody's picking their own truth, well, let's just say that there's not really going to be much truth. Um, so at the end of the day, people just do allow things to. Um, allow kids to grow up to be whatever the hell they want to be. And um, um, I don't know if, I don't know if you know this about kids, but they're not really great at making decisions. So um, to believe that a child is capable of making a decision of, you know, that will impact them for the rest of their life, who they will be, who they will be, and who they are. Can barely child can barely decide whether or not he, he or she wants a strawberry or or a chocolate popsicle. <laughs> they wanted to make a decision of who they will be and allow it to go that and allow it to go that way. No, no, it's it's uh do not be surprised. Do not be surprised when you have uh, when you have created a generation of narcissists, a generation of murderers, a generation of um, um, fools. And a generation that uh, that is filled with utter anger and hatred, because if that is your truth, and you told them to speak their truth or walk in their truth, if that is their truth, then who the hell are you to come tell them to tell them otherwise now? So, so yeah, so the, so essentially, the adolescent truth is never being challenged. One of the traditional mechanisms of challenging adolescent uh, value systems is shame and mm. right like shame is the number one mechanism of like hey man you know like like i'll give you an example let's say you're 28 years old and you're at a party and you say something like you know just like you're just really nasty or or just you well i think we would call these things uh fox pot like what's it called when you break like a social etiquette or something so you know if you you know there's a very rigid version yeah say it again the faux, they call it a faux pas yeah faux pas thank you right that was the word so there were these you would commit one of these things and there would be a little bit of shame that was there and some people think that's bad like come on man just let it slide but it actually 
encouraged you to become a better version of yourself because you were like, oh man, that was highly insensitive of what I said, or hey man, you know, like that was incredibly selfish how I just like drank three bottles of wine by myself in a corner, <laughs> you know, like, like, like that was like a, like, and, and like these kind of social, these mechanisms of shame were positive because they taught you a valuable lesson. Like, Hey, when you go over to a party, you don't just consume all the alcohol and, you know, uh, throw a pillow across the room and, 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 and then and go up to the stereo system and put whatever music you like. There's other people at this party and you kind of have to be mindful of them. And, what would happen is that you would not be invited back to that party. People would be like, hey, man, you know, you need to you need to grow up a little bit. Experience. <laughs> <laughs> you, you would be there and people would be like, hey, man, I, I think you need to grow up a little bit or they, they probably wouldn't even say anything. You, they would just stop inviting you. And then this was a positive thing because then you would reflect and then you would become a better version of yourself. A lot of those things have kind of slipped. They've just they've gone the way of the dinosaur. So now these values like the, the the values are are never being refined and they're also and then on top of it they're also being celebrated in our popular culture so i'll give you an example like in 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 the past maybe like amongst really professional academics if someone used a like ad hominem attack like a personal attack people would be like Ooh, this guy's losing, right? So if, if you and I were engaged in a debate and then I just was like, well, you're a silly poo-poo pants, everyone listening would be like, oh, well, Aaron's clearly losing. Look at him. He has to like result to like childish name calling. So clearly he's the loser of the battle. That's how people traditionally marked out if someone was losing. Nowadays, if I call you a silly poo-poo head, people are like, yeah, like, like, like that. So, so, so like, like basically we're unable, we're unable to call out people who are not fighting properly, who are not like becoming a more refined, better version because we do, we've lost the palate to assess what is superior argument, what is superior wisdom as opposed to inferior argument. It's more, it's more of a, like, you know, might makes right kind of situation that we're in right now. Yeah. This is idiocracy. <laughs> <laughs> We're finally living it. Oh <laughs> uh, yes. Um, no, I, I think you're right. It's, it's uh, things are changing, changing very quickly. Uh, we are, we're, we're prone. The popular way is a very strange way. The popular way is a very strange way. Now we're not talking. I mean, there's still ways to be popular, and really stay, stay like just be, and be a human being. Like especially who you are. Like, as actually as you are, who you are as a human being. But most ways you have to you have to contort yourself into a into a creature of very ridiculous you know a, a strange creature you know you have to contort yourself into in, to fit the popular mode. I think things are changing very quickly. Uh, what it means to be popular is changing very quickly. But the question is, will it change back? Do these things have we think these things usually have a way of going full circle? And if it will change back, how long will it take? You know, and uh, but this is the world we're living in for the meantime. I, I hope there is a rubber band effect because you and I have both read a lot of 19th century literature, like A Tale of Two Cities, you know, uh, Jane Austen and so forth. And what I notice in these like Victorian era books, if there's a social gathering and some guy comes in drunk and insults all of the people at the party, 
he's typically the villain of the book and he's typically like ostracized by society, right? They'll be like, oh, how uncouth of you, sir. And, and he's completely rejected. And today it's the complete opposite. The guy who comes into the party, curses everyone out and gets drunk. He's like the anti-hero that we're like, yeah, you show him, you, you tell those people at the party. And at first it sounded cool. Like, yeah, you know, like these Victorian era forms of etiquette are too rigid and we need to rebel against them. But now we've rebelled so, so much that the person who is breaking into the party and cursing everyone out, he's not actually saying anything that's wise or uplifting. He's not like challenging some like negative thing about society. He's just being a fool and we're celebrating foolishness. So how do we get the, you know, like what is it going to take before the rubber band snaps back into place? Um, that's a good question. What is it going to take? I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I think it has to, it has to snap until it breaks. It has to snap until it has, so it has to stretch until it breaks because, um, it has to take something. It has to take something big enough that people wake up. So I, I can't say, I can't say, even if, even if I could say, I don't think, I don't know that I would say, Aaron. Um, because I can't, I don't, I don't even want to imagine what it would take for people to wake up. I, I, I think, I think I, I, I'm going to throw out a solution here before we close out. I think what's going to happen is that we've, we've, we have a lot of popular people that are buffoons, but there have been no consequences celebrating buffoonery, right? We, we've had buffoons that we worship. But nothing really bad seems to happen. We, we pay attention to these buffoons, but they, they tend to fizzle out. I think what's, what it's going to take for the rubber band to snap into place is that a buffoon comes to power and people lose their life I, in a really substantial way. I think, I think once a buffoon takes over, lives are lost, people's lives are completely destroyed in a way that, that we cannot repair. It's beyond repair. People are going to be like, geez, we need to start listening to some of the wise people in the room again. Kenny, uh, thank you so much for being here. I certainly don't feel any more popular, but <laughs> that's okay. We're, we're popular in a very, 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 very small circle. Thank you, popular in my book, Aaron. thank you, my friend. Take care. Take care, my brother. Thank you for having me. This concludes the 168th episode of the Truth Island podcast. I'm Aaron Azrod.